now, um, the movie, eh? Uprise, I read it wrong. Kanu corrected me there. I did an interview with Swissa Kanile uh, talking about a fantastic documentary that was released in 2017. We won't bore you with a whole lot of details, but uh, we want you to get to grips with this and understand what it was all about. This is the trailer of uh, the movie. A great deal has been said about the threat that black consciousness movements pose, but surely they also have uh, cultural affiliations and activities. Oh yes, they've got drama association, and uh, the drama associations get together, they have all sorts of plays, um, rather activistic plays, and uh, they have all sorts of poem, poetry readings and so on, but I can give you an example of some of the poetry that's read by the black consciousness movement. Suckers of my country! They laid their sponges flat on its soil and absorbed its resources to feed their coffers. Agostino has spoken the language of the poets that they went away in multitudes and forgot their hearts behind. But late is never a bad start. In Africa my beginning and Africa my end. Now this is the cultural arm of the Black Consciousness Movement and you can decide for yourself whether you consider this to be activist stuff or not. But you can quite well imagine that with a cultural action like this going on every evening in the various centers of South Africa, uh, it, it w- wouldn't surprise you to realize why these youngsters are marching through the streets with their fists in the That's just the trailer of uh, the movie. Uh, producer of the show, Kabu Maile, underscore, talking to Sfisa Kanyile about that movie, Uprise. Good morning, and uh, thank you for having me. We observed Youth Month by making our film available online for free to watch for everyone, really, because, you know, uh, the recent events in America have kind of rekindled conversations about, like, protesting structural oppression. And I just thought that, you know, there's a way in which we've commemorated June 16 that doesn't actually really hit the mark. And it was, for me, a perfect opportunity for people to engage with the film once again, to be reminded of South Africa's protest culture as well. But also just to think about, like, how we respond to structural oppression in general. Who is Feso? Sure, I haven't thought about this one in a, in a while. Sviso is a not-so-young man from Spreadview in the East Rand, in the east of Joburg. I'm a producer and a director that works largely or mainly in documentary, but I've also produced um, fictional short films. I'm working towards a feature film. Yeah, if I'm not working on my own documentaries, I work as an archive researcher for other people's documentaries. So, yeah, I'm a storyteller. Uh, I tell my stories through images. I'm still trying to measure the real impact of COVID-19, to be honest, because I'm just not sure uh, if the worst is over. I mean, people lost um, work. I lost uh, job opportunities. I also work as a local producer for foreign or international productions. And so that stopped. Also, what has been delayed is also, you know, fund applications to some of the film funds. Are some of the film funds that we have and the administrators there aren't really sure which direction to move so not sure whether to green light projects uh, because they're not sure that you know we'll be able to shoot those projects right so we're in this space that is filled with anxiety because we're on the one hand you know writing a lot and trying to prepare ourselves before when this is over but we're not even sure when this is going to be over so on the one hand you have people who have real anxieties about like job losses and i'm one of those people on the other hand also you also don't want to pe- put people at risk so 
um, if there is an opportunity that comes, I don't want to be the person that puts other filmmakers or other film practitioners at risk or even people that we interview at risk uh, because we're trying to jump at opportunities. So it's just like a real air of anxiety, uh, uncertainty, and I think a real need for alternatives. Uprise is a gift that keeps on giving because it just continues to find audiences. And these are audiences around the world. We premiered in 2017 but we're still getting requests for screenings in north america in south america even last week we got a request uh, to screen in in Bogota. so it's interesting for me um in that a lot of people actually don't know the details of the 1976 struggle all they know is that you know hector peterson died the photo was taken and you know mbuisa skipped the country i think there wasn't much information about like who uh, organized the event uh, of 1976. So for me, that's interesting about how, you know, a lot of people who've watched the film come back to me and say, hey, there's so much that we don't know about this. We don't know how, how wide the um, protest spread around the country. Because also a lot of people think that it was just a, a way to struggle. Um, so it's nice to get the feedback about people talking about how they're you know, how they've been enlightened by, by watching the film. The process of making the film, we pitched to the NFVF to make a film about 1976 and we won the pitch. And I had initially been trying to make a film about like the role of art and artists during the struggle. And so I realized that there were a lot of connections because remember now this 1976 happens at a time where the liberation movements were banned. So the PAC and the ANC have been banned. Their leaders are in prison or have fled and gone to exile. So there wasn't really much that was happening at the time. A lot of like sort of political conversations were happening in creative circles, you know, artists, poets, writers, musicians, where they were conscientizing the youth. So in our research, we found that to be very fascinating that during a time of like heavy, heavy political repression that people still found a voice you know still find a way in which to conscientize the youth so we started digging up on those kind of stories to be like okay cool who was speaking at the time you know, we know that, you know, uh, Sasso existed in universities and Steve Bigo emerged out of that. And, you know, he was saying some really powerful things. But, you know, who else was speaking? What were the kind of interactions that were happening on a day-to-day -day basis? So we really wanted to hone in and our research process really interrogated this to be like, who was there? What were they saying? How were they saying this? How were messages conveyed? And so the process and research was really just trying to tell a much richer and deeper story about how those protests came about, you know, what kind of environments they came out of. So, yeah, so the process was really just an intense um, several weeks of research until we felt that we were ready to do the interviews. So once we felt that we had sort of captured the lay of the land and the zeitgeist of township life in the 70s, then we wanted to speak specifically um, to the people that orchestrated the events of 1976, of June 1976 which you see in the film, you know, people like Seth Mazibogo and Spongilam Kabela were there, you know, and I think that kind of gave us a lot of legitimacy because we, on one hand, are telling the story about how a struggle doesn't necessarily belong to specific people, but we also, you know, take into recognition that it does take a special kind of person to start and sustain something like this. And so that was important for us to get, you know, the student leaders of SASM in, in 1976 to speak 
speak in the film to talk about not only the climate of the time but also just about like what was the impetus you know what was it what what was the thing that really pushed him to to go out there so we started filming uprise in 2016 and i think at the time of of filming the fees must fall and rules must fall struggles have just um simmering down uh you know it was very exciting for us because we then had an opportunity to engage the leaders of the 1976 struggle about the struggle that was um, taking place at the time. What we found was that, you know, there are a lot of similarities in that at the center of everything, you know, as much as Fismas 4 was about insourcing and, you know, a free education, the Rose Must Fall struggle also put an emphasis on decoloniality or a decolonized uh, education. And I think this is very interesting for me because if you look at the 1976 struggle, um, as much as it may seem like it was a classroom struggle and it was just about the Afrikaans language decree, it was also just about Bantu education and the kind of education that they were receiving because they were well aware that the apartheid government um, didn't want them to rise above certain social standards. And so this is very important because you have a struggle 40 years earlier where the students are saying enough is enough. You know, if you if you if 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 you're going to give us this kind of education, then you might as well not educate us, you know, because after that, there were also um, students who went into exile who thought that, you know, they'd rather fight uh, using the gun than fight using the pen. And so it becomes interesting that 40 years later, you find that um, the students are having the same conversations about education, the same conversations about, you know, the kind of history they want to see, um, the kind of history they also want to um, create. So yes, we really wanted to draw parallels between, you know, the struggles of 1976 and the struggle that was happening then. Um, I think what was difficult for us was that, I guess, the Fismas Fall struggle was still fresh off its heels and it, it was hard for us to talk conclusively about it. Um, but we did see a lot of similarities in, in the two struggles and wanted to maybe take the 1976 struggle in its richness to kind of bring that to the, to the table and say, well, here's a resource for new struggles, I guess. Um, this is how the 1976 struggle happened. Uprise performed and continues to perform really well. I mean, there's, we're still, at three years on, we're still getting uh, requests for screenings at festivals and film programs. We um, are subtitling the film in Spanish and in Portuguese because we've had requests from Colombia and Brazil for screenings there as well. We locally, it's, you know, it's three years on and we had made it available uh, for a week and we had 2,300 views. So, I mean, I think that tells you something about like the power of the film. We had it on SABC two years ago. It was also on um, BET on DSTV. Yeah, it's done the rounds. And I think for a film, you know, films usually go on the market and within a year, people have forgotten about them. And this one still continues to, to do really well. So to your question about the importance of exploring uh, specific moments in history um, in our struggle narrative, you know, history is not static. And I think it also depends on the interests of those who are telling 
historical stories and, you know, the angle in which they tell those stories. It's important for us to keep revising the history that we know. And this is what I like about visual archives, right? It's because then you have visual accounts or evidence of the moments, you know? Once you have uh, evidence of those moments, it's easier to gain uh, clarity and accurate and historical accuracy in terms of what really happened. I think it's important for us, especially South Africans, to keep digging into our history, to keep finding different angles, to keep finding different stories, because, you know, we need an inclusive history. You know, we need a history that tells the story of a people. Sure. What can people expect to take away from watching Uprise? I think I think there's a lot. There's a lot of new information. Um, I think a lot of people had been sort of desensitized to the 1976 struggle because all they knew was the Hector Peterson uh, image um, and, and not much beyond that, you know. Um, so Uprise presents um, a lot of what happened outside of uh, Soweto, um, looking at events outside of Gauteng even, you know, what happened in the Western Cape. A lot of people don't know that, you know, um, schools when schools closed and reopened in July, uh, students in the Western Cape took on the uh, struggle and protested until the end of that schooling year. So in December, uh, when schools closed, they just finished their, their protest there. People don't know about Olile Morsi, um, who is the first casualty in the Western Cape, um, who lost his life um, to the police in uh, Kukuletu. And, you know, um, there's so much uh, new information that is presented in the film about who exactly was involved. You know, the teachers that were teaching in Soweto, you know, Onkho and the central role that he played in conscientizing uh, the student leaders of 1976. But there's also information that is known, but that's told from a different perspective. In closing, I'd really like to encourage young filmmakers to dig into the events of 1976 and other, um, you know, uh, seminal events or moments in our history, you know, because like I said, Said, you know, we've came to a point where a lot of people felt that they had what they referred to as apartheid fatigue, where, you know, the stories of our history just didn't become attractive anymore. And I think I can understand that. And I think that is because a lot of the time we have been seeing these stories told from a position of victimhood, you know. Um, we see a lot of death, we see a lot of defeat, and I think that we need to revisit the stories to tell stories about our resistance, you know, about our defiance. And I think we need young, fresh voices and fresh perspectives to tell these stories. That's uh, Sfeso Kanyele there, chatting uh, to uh, the producer of the show, Khabumaila underscore. He's got a lovely voice, eh, Khabza? Hey, it's got a nice voice. You can say anything for a long time to me. No complaints.